Colliding Worlds is sponsored in part by Always Here, now streaming on Amazon Prime, starring Jody Littman, Angela Romeo, and Steve Ciceron. Always Here. Some say the rules are made by the future, but in the LaFleur home, the past controls the future. Join them and the entire cast of Always Here. After all, a mother's love is forever. Now streaming on Amazon Prime. Hi, this is Angela Valenti Romeo. This is Colliding Worlds. And once again, we're going to bring you a really interesting discussion. I'm going to bring to the stage right now. Here he is, J.P. Bergeron, who's an actor and he's a director. He currently has a project in motion here called Old Guys in Bed. And he's going to talk about that. But first, we're going to find out a little bit about J.P. and how he got into this whole weird crazy world of acting directing movies television you know the usual insanity how did you do it and why <laughs> how did you okay. become an actor <laughs> well i started a very i, I started at a very <clears throat> sorry started at a very early age uh, uh we were putting on plays etc and in high school there was a drama club and uh uh we were all very dedicated and long story short i got my first paid gig when i was 16 and starting at age 19 i you know i played tons of roles on film television a lot of them in french-speaking quebec my dad's from massachusetts but i was brought up in quebec so i'm fully bilingual and i can also work in french uh and also credits in english-speaking canada which is a very different thing and also LA. I've been a working actor in LA for four or five years. I was working regularly, uh, guest spots and uh, supporting roles, etc. And after after that, I realized that my preference was to develop my my own project. So I, I, I came up with this short film called Alone with Mr. Carter that you may or may not have seen. But in any case, that was very successful. It was the uh, it was the story, although Mr. Carter is about a 10-year-old boy who secretly loves uh, an older gay man who's 65, uh, actually, you know, a senior. And, and, and the film is about the boy trying to tell that older guy that he loves him. Now, the older guy is hetero and he has a wonderful girlfriend who's about 35. And so that's the premise of the film. That was very successful worldwide. Um, then I developed not one, but three feature films. And uh, the two first ones uh, are not, uh, we don't have all the financing yet, but for this one, which is Old Guys in Bed, uh, we have most of the financing. The film is shot already. Uh, we're in post-production. Uh, we did something on Indiegogo. Uh, uh, and because we reached our goal, we reached our financial goal on, on Indiegogo, uh, Indiegogo decided that we would be in demand so people can still contribute to the campaign. And uh, we're going to give you that. We'll give yeah, you that link so people can. 
you know, so we'll give people that link so they can follow up with it. We'll give people that link so they can go to Indiegogo and and follow along with that. I mean, crowdfunding is is one way to finance a movie, um, but you know, you, there's a lot of other things that go into it. It's not just going to Indiegogo and asking you know asking people to come along and play. You you had to have something solid. You had a project. You also had some of your own financing in place before you went to Indiegogo. Um, what's it like trying to finance yeah, an independent film? Yeah, I mean, our campaign really is for the finishing costs, such as, you know, sound mix and, and uh, uh, music, etc. Um, and also distribution festivals and so forth, because that costs money too. But before we started our campaign on Indiegogo, we had like 85 or 90% of the financing already, wow. which is great. The money comes from my own pocket from, for the most part. And I also have a partner, a business partner, who also invested in the film. And uh, um, also we, we're going to get the uh, Canadian tax credits, the Canadian and Quebec tax credits, because we did shoot the film in Quebec. It is so much cheaper than uh, shooting in the US. And also the film takes place in the winter, which is a bit unusual. And so, Canada was perfect for that. Uh, and all this to say that uh, there's also a why in your questions. Okay. Uh, two or three years ago, I was actually ghosted big time. Uh, you know, I'm part of a worldwide community on Facebook, a worldwide community of older gay men. And some of us, you know, flirt with each other. Some people do create relationships out of it. So I, <laughs> sorry, but that guy <clears throat> from South America and I, we fell in love. Now I need to say that he was not taking advantage of me. That was not the case at all. You know, we're not talking 90 day fiance here, not at all. Oh, and gosh, no. it went great. And, and at some point he ghosted me. I mean, he just ghosted me. I mean, there was no way I could get a hold of him. I, I, you know, and, and that was, that was extremely painful. That, that is the worst thing that happened to me emotionally uh, since my teenage years. Because, you know, when you're a teenager, you very often you go through very painful stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, that was extremely painful. And then... I realized that a lot of my friends, a lot of my older gay friends went through the same thing, you know, got ghosted and, and nobody's, people are not really talking about it. Um, so the film is innovative. This is one of the old guys in bed. So the film really, uh, I think it is innovative on at least two counts. First of all, most of the main characters are older men and older gay men. When do you see older gay, uh, older gay men on screen? You know, very rarely. Those characters barely exist at all. Uh, there were two guys in the, uh, I don't remember the name, but uh, the title, but anyway, it's very unusual. So, and that's another old guy from the film. And it's also innovative in the sense that as I said, you know, I'm connected with thousands and thousands of older gay men all over the world. And I 
think that by and large, very few of us have been able to watch a story we can directly relate to on screen. So I tried to fill that void, you know, in the narration, in international narration. Okay, so that's the short answer. <laughs> but there's no short answers when it comes to film. But here's the interesting thing. When I think a good story, I and I've said it before on the show and I'll say it again, I think a good story always has some basis in truth. Um you you even though even though the strangest, most fantastical world that one can create still has to have a basis in reality. And love is one of those strange emotions that everybody feels at some point in their life whether they hold on to it or not it's a it's a unif it, it's a unifying emotion we all we all go through that those that love and as as people i don't care if you're you know straight gay or whatever we all go through those i love you's i hate you's you know you have no relationship you're you're floundering and you're right there's a there's a gap within certain age groups and older people um, other than very few movies i like to think of as cocoon and i don't even think consider that a love story you know, when you people get past a certain age we become invisible um people don't think that people over the age of 40 fall in love let alone have sex but they they, they don't exist and and that's not the truth i mean we all exist i mean and you're you're you chose a topic that's important to you because it has basis and truth. That's what makes it. Uh, that's what makes a good story. Um, I think. I think it'll be an interesting take on on a love story. I mean, you're you're targeting a, a group, but I don't think it's really limited to that. You know, a group that has very very little exposure on screen. And there's also another thing about old guys in bed. Uh, one of the old guys has a niece, a young niece. She's in high school. Uh, and, and she's also uh, cruising online, you know, and all that. And the kids in the film who are like 17, 18 or whatever, uh, they go through the same stuff as the older men. My LGBTQ characters are respectively... 60, 70, and 88. Good and God. The young characters, as I said, are about 18, and they go through the same stuff. No one is more mature than the kids. You follow me? Oh, yeah. And I think that's that's really a plus. That's I mean, that's really a plus. I mean, that's the parallel right there. You know, we all in love, ultimately, we're all the same. Yeah. We are. You know, we all hurt at the same time. We all we all we all have those moments where, you know, you've made to feel like a fool. You think you found the right one, and then the next thing you know, they've they've disappeared. They've gone away from you. But but you can't write a story like this, I don't think, unless you've lived. You you know, you've had to have had those little falls, those scrapes. You have to have the you have to understand the emotion behind it. And I think sometimes what people don't understand about a script, about a movie, is it's just not somebody's. It's not somebody sitting in a room writing a bunch of words and saying, "Here, actor, go do it." 
it, it's so much more to that. And it's as a, as a writer, you know, you're watching your words come on screen and it's a very personal aspect. And when this was being produced and this was, and you were involved with it and you watch these words take life, did it change your own perspective of the story and, and, um, and the meaning yes. behind it? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. If I, you know, before I got ghosted, I would never, never have been able to write this script. So it's, I mean, overall, it's really autobiographical, although the anecdote, I mean, the country's not the same and, you know, it's, it doesn't take place in South America, but, but the core of it is completely autobiographical. Uh, and uh, yeah, writing it helped me get over the ghosting. It, you know, it helped me get over that extremely painful breakup and the ghosting made the breakup even worse. So I'm not there anymore. You know, I don't, I, 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 I'm actually able to not miss that guy. You know, if I go through some kind of emotion, I'm more angry than depressed. And so, you know, it, uh, just check all the boxes. That's, behind, you know, that's just behind me. And that also helped me writing the script. The fact that it was at least partly behind me at the time. But again, it's, 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 all about, of, it, it's all about it's all about it's I, all I, about I, life. I know. You know, and and yeah. I think and I think I think it's brave when people will put something out autobiographical, and it's not the first time you did it. You you know you 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 did it in another film, and you had success with it. But this is different, I think just because it's it's a, it's a happening now it's not it's not a memory of you know being a child it's not a memory of being a young man it's a memory of what's going on right now and that and and i think sometimes when people see movies they get to say i'm not the only one um, when you were writing right. this and you were talking to me yes, with your investors and actors yeah did you get a lot of that it happened yeah. to me too stories Oh yeah, absolutely. Just you know, just uh, I, you know, I, I shared at least the synopsis with some people, and they said, "Well, that's my story right there," you know. It, it and that's exactly what I want to do. I, you know, I want to make a film, which is almost finished now. I want to make a film that rallies all those older gay men all over the world who have rarely seen their own story on screen or a story they can identify with because their friend went through this, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't think the, the I think, I, I also think the film can, you know, can be interesting to other age groups and other communities, but everything in the film at this time and including the, the um, when we, we're gonna get into the marketing, uh, it really targets a niche. Uh, the niche of older gay men. And from that, um, it might expand. We'll see. But I'm absolutely not trying. See, one thing I've learned, I actually took, if I may, I actually took a production course at um, some university. And uh, uh, the, the, uh, when, you, when you go indie low budget, <laughs> okay, or when you go indie for that matter, the only way you can beat Hollywood is 
targeting a niche. Because if you just, uh, you know, Hollywood, and I include Netflix, etc., they target a demographic, which is 1849. They target a very wide demographic. And if you try to reach that demographic, I was told that Hollywood's always going to beat you. I mean, there's, they're going to swallow you completely. People are not going to see your promo. People are not even going to see your trailer. And, but if you, if you target a niche, then there's a chance that, you know, that all this uh, uh, can exist and have some significant visibility. So that's where I'm at. I got to tell you, when I was working more as a lawyer, not anymore, when I was working more as a lawyer, we were working on a script and we were trying to sell it. And it was funny, you would go to HBO at the time, and HBO was like, yeah, we're not we're only interested in guy stories. And I'm like, well, what do you consider a guy story? And it was a bunch of sorority boys or you know, fraternity boys hanging out, watching porn, eating chicken, and doing whatever. I'm like, yeah, right up there. I really want to see that movie. But that was their market. Their market that they were targeting were and on at that time was young men between the ages of 20 and 35, 40 years old, because in their mind, they had disposable income. I'm thinking there's a whole other world out there because to me, disposable income of people like you and I, you know, we, our children are grown and flown the nest. We've already done our thing and we should be an audience that they would be interested in, but you're right. We're, we're not. And, and the subset that you're talking about, and I hate to use that term is not, is not what mainstream theater is, is always running towards every once in a while, a feature film will come out and carry over certain themes that will, that have a, that they think will be a niche, but will be bigger. An indie film, which is what you're talking about and what you're doing, you have an uphill battle because you're not fighting just hundreds of other indie films you're fighting mass market film and you're trying to find a way to to rise above the noise the online streaming the amazon primes and whatever are great if you're on there but if nobody sees you it's like if a tree falls in the woods so now you've got to go forward with you've got a film that's got i think it's got a, a broader appeal than you may believe but i believe it does how are you how do you how do you get that out to the world? I mean, you you need to get past your your core group. And how do you how do you take a film like sure. you know, Hell Guys in Bed? What do you where are you gonna go and where how are you gonna market it to the rest of us, to the whole world? You know? Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, uh, uh, well, first of all, back to the niche and then I'll I'll cover the expansion. The uh uh, uh as far as the niche is concerned, well, we're on Facebook, of course, and uh, hopefully we're going to be in a lot of LGBTQ film festivals, uh, which I'm pretty sure is going to happen because they, they, you know, they selected all of my short film, most of them, anyway, it, was, it went great. And then uh, um, I'm in talks with a few distributors already, and I'm, I think I'm gonna get a distributor that specifically targets LGBTQ. Good luck. But wait, uh, I wanna remain the sales agent. Uh, uh, 
I, I absolutely don't want and, and to just, you know, give the film to a distributor who all, you know, and then it's going to end up on a shelf and nothing's going to happen because that happens a lot. So I prefer being the sales agent and, and uh, actually sell licenses mm -hmm. all over the world, hopefully, and not a whole distribution deal. And I think that somehow, somehow, uh, uh, the will find a way uh, to give it a bit of a boost in terms of uh, having the, the the community that I target to begin with. Ask them to help us spread the word you know, to their friends and to their parents and their family and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, it's really grassroots uh, marketing in a sense. Does that make yeah, sense to you? Oh, it certainly does because the guerrilla marketing is what I call grassroots is you have to start somewhere. Um, I'm a firm believer that two people see it. They tell two more people, two more people help, you know, next thing you know, there's logarithmic increases Four becomes 16, 16 becomes 64, 64 goes on. And, and sometimes that's how you have to do it. Especially, especially I think in this, in this paradigm that we're in now where you have more opportunity with indie films. When I first started, indie films were if you didn't make it to a film festival and somehow you didn't get on PBS, you languished. When I lived in New York, you could go down the street, you could find an indie film, you could find a foreign film, then you move someplace else and foreign films, indie films, they're, they're not there. You had the advent of eight, the HBOs and then you saw Netflix come alive. You saw, you know, Amazon Prime, Fubi, all of these other streaming aspects gave opportunity to in indie filmmakers. It's still it's still hard to get to get noticed. And you're right, you've got to start, as you said, with your niche and and you keep growing. Um, and I haven't seen the film. I only know what it, the the storyline. I know what I've seen as the stills, and I know you. It seems to me that the story has a universal appeal. And you're gonna you're gonna burst beyond that, but to go back to it, when you have an indie film, there's so much that goes into it. You have to come up with an initial cost to get to get it started, and then even after you have it filmed, you need to be able to finish it. And the Indiegogo campaign is is was key to helping you achieve that. And you can still contribute to the Indiegogo campaign because there's always some fine tuning to be done. But the next stop with an indie film, if you don't have distribution necessarily in hand, is now you've got film festivals, which I'm sorry, they do cost money. You there are entry fees, there's marketing that has to be involved. And if you go, if as a sales agent, if you go to like NAPTI or some of these other places or whatever, there are costs involved and there's a lot of time element involved. I mean, this movie didn't get made yesterday. I mean, how long has this project been going? Uh, well, actually, uh, uh, not that long, in a sense. The uh, uh, I wrote it in uh, 2020, during the pandemic. Uh, we started, I started creating the production company and getting associates, et cetera, in uh, 2021. We started pre-production 
in July of 2022, okay, we shot in early 2023. We had a very long pre-production because the if you have less money, you need more time, of course, okay? And uh, uh, so all this to say that uh, uh, for this film, you know, it's like three or four years, let's say four years. Some films take 10 years. I mean, Mad Men was turned down, that's a series, but hey, you know, it was turned down, I don't know how many times, you know? So, the, and that's the, the, the problem that I have with my two other feature films, which are, Hitchhiking in the Dark and Meet Me at the Crystal, again, with older gay men. Uh, the, the, I do need a million for each film. It's very hard to get a million. It's just very hard. So my game plan is to rewrite both scripts for a low budget, meaning cutting down characters. I mean, telling the story uh, where a forest is more important, you know, more shots in the forest less shots in the small town next to it, that sort of thing. Because the upside of, uh, uh, the upside of, of going low budget is that you, get, you have a lot of artistic control as a producer director. You know, but whenever it gives you real money, whenever somebody gives you real money, you know, uh, uh, they wanna have a say in what you're doing which is understandable. And sometimes what they say is useful, but sometimes it's just totally off and counterproductive. So I don't have that problem. You know, I'm responsible for everything. If the film is good, it's my fault in my team. If the film is bad, it's my fault. It's not my team. That's, that's the reality of it. And for once in my life, I'm doing the whole thing from right from writing the first line which was in 2019 to being the sales agent because i want to know all about it and uh, uh um just so you know talking about distribution of uh, indie films there's actually a couple of facebook groups that are very useful there's one uh where i don't go very often at this time because i'm focusing on post-production but there's one uh i mean I think the name of the group is Let's Not Get Screwed by Distributors. Well, <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> but let, it's, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's not get screwed by distributors. And there's like three or 4,000 people from the indie filmmaking world, you know, which, you know, just share information, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, um, so the, the, uh, and the festivals are nice and, 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 of, they are, they have some degree of importance in terms of uh, distributing the film later on. Uh, but I don't think that this time I really want to do like 60 film festivals all over the world, which is, you know, sometimes filmmakers want to do a lot of festivals. That's what happened with Alone with Mr. Carter. But at the end of the day, you travel a lot, but you know, it, it's not, it doesn't necessarily help the career of the film. Some film festivals like Frameline in San Francisco is extraordinary. And that's actually, that's along with Mr. Carter, uh, uh, you know, screened there twice. And uh, the audience was just, you know, they were very cheerful and all that. 
but the uh so i want to be myself selective about the film festivals it doesn't really help the film if the film if it's selected in in i don't know i'm just a country in europe that's wonderful but that has low visibility you know what matters is that i use some festivals to do the marketing like some instance uh, for instance frameline has a, a, a film market which is great sorry go ahead no i was gonna say you're right though i mean some of these festivals are are can get you that distribution that i've watched filmmakers sadly take a movie an indie film that they've created and they beat it to death at, at these film festivals. They go from one to the other, to the other, to the other. The upside of that is, yeah, I collected an award. The downside with that is it's one step away from getting it out commercially because you, you, you have a limited opportunity to have a commercial run with a film that's in a film festival. And they get bogged down in, in collecting these awards, which might make them feel better, but it's not necessarily getting the end product, which I would think the end product is distribution. Um, and again, on the lawyer yeah. side of this, when you try to explain that to some people, they they look at you like, oh, my artistic integrity. I'm like, that's great. If that's all you want to do, then go for it. But there's a business side to this. And, and that is what you're talking about. You want to be your sales agent. You want to be involved and see where it goes because you not only do you want people to see your film you want to recoup your costs so you can do the next project um, there's there's that reality hopefully make a bit, of, a bit of a profit hopefully you know yeah exactly uh, uh you nailed it uh festivals i mean yeah people feel good i go to a lot of festivals a lot of people don't understand that festivals are not an end by themselves they're a means to an end and a lot of people are not aware of that because, uh, you know, all the glamour and et cetera, et cetera, you know, just uh, uh, is just so attractive and they don't want to see it. Everybody wants to and walk the red know, carpet. You know. <laughs> right? We all want to, we all want to be walk the red carpet. Yeah. But very few people want to get up at six and do some accounting, you know, <laughs> for the production company, which is my reality. <laughs> you know, and and here's the reality of it too. When um, when you're when you're producing these projects and you're behind the camera and you're writing it, you're doing all these things. You start there where, like you said, you have a budget. It's not an unlimited budget. This isn't, you know, this isn't a major studio saying, "Yeah, here's a couple of million. Go out and have a good time." Somebody's saying to you, "I'm going to use a weird number." Okay, you've got a hundred thousand dollars. And you've got to make a movie. And then you start to sit there going, well, and to your point, well, can I do three scenes outside and cut out the one inside? Can I use a drone? I mean, the big thing I think that helped indie film was the drone. <laughs> so you don't have to hire an airplane anymore. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to think about those things and you, you have to make decisions that respect the integrity of the film, but also respect the, the confines of the budget that you have. I mean, when you were making this film oh, sure, specifically, yes. you know, you have to make you had to make some decisions. Did you make some hard decisions? Did some scenes end up on the floor or didn't see the light of day? Uh, well, honestly, because when I first started writing it, I already decided that there would be 
not that many characters, not that many locations. And, and that helped the, I mean, it just, it sent the writing in the right direction in terms of the budget, okay? But I had promised to myself, you know, I said, okay, so you're gonna write a low budget script, but you gotta make sure that you're in love with the script just as much as your bigger budget screenplays, okay? Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and then nevertheless, again, let's say a hundred thousand, just you know, just a number like that, just for the example. Uh, it means that first of all, when you do something like that, you need a film buddy. You need somebody who's with you all the way, and I, and you need you need. You need a start date for the shooting because it makes everything, you know, precise. Uh, it means that first of all, I looked for a, uh, a line producer or a production manager. I looked for somebody who was extremely qualified, uh, but that wanted to do the, the I wanted to work on the film uh, to have access to bigger and better things or bigger things. Let's put it that way. <laughs> And that carried me during the first months of pre-production. Then we had to hire younger people for the crew. I mean, there's tons of people that are very qualified. I mean, there are, I don't know how many million film schools in the US and Canada. And a lot of the people who graduate from these schools maybe don't have the talent or the will to be a director but some of them are extremely knowledgeable about sound or about image or about, you know. So we hired a lot of young people who wanted to get ahead and, and who thought it was a good project. And at the same time, they were getting credits for the unions, you know, so it just, it was taking their career further. We got a special agreement with the actors union. So, we got the actors for maybe one tenth of that they would usually charge because they really wanted to play the role. They were very enthusiastic about it, and uh, and and etc. 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 I mean, I just found yesterday a terrific sound editor, sound mixer, who's gonna, you know, work on the final cut, and for a very reasonable amount of money, but I saw his demo, et cetera. So, you know, so two things, you need a buddy, you need somebody who's gonna be with you, rain or shine. And that person can change, it can be a different person during one, you know, during one step of the process and the second step of the process, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, 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 so we hired, people who were charging less for the circumstance that helped a lot we we uh, also the other thing is that some of the co-producers uh, like Danny Rossner for instance is one of is also a producer he has a million connections in the business like if we needed something real bad that we couldn't afford a couple of times, a few times, he was able to knock at some door and say, look, I do business with you on the big films. Would you give us a hand, you know, and I'll keep working with you for sure. You know, I'm just 
saying it as it is. I'm sure he put it in words that were a bit more diplomatic. And that got us some additional stuff. And all this to say that the supervisor of post-production, I'm not going to tell you the budget, but he thought that the film, he saw everything, all the rushes, etc. He thought the film, he thought the budget was actually four or five times what we actually had because we were always, always targeting quality, low cost. So that's the answer. It you've got to do it that way. I mean, even when I've been working on, on my own project and it's I look at what we've created with the budget we had and I'm like, wow, we're really good. No, it's you have you get people who believe in you. And not you don't need people that are gonna yes you, you just need people who are gonna believe in you. And that that takes you takes you pretty far. Um there's nothing wrong with you know, looking at the film schools, looking at people just starting out. When I started acting, I'm sure you did the same thing. If if you're sitting there as an extra and you've got nothing to do, you follow somebody, you ask and say, hey, can can I just shadow and see what you do? And you learn, when you learn all the parts and how they fit together, that when you go into a project like, you, like you're doing now, guys in bed, you knew how all the little pieces fit together. And in that, that helps make everybody's job a little bit easier. Um, I've, I've worked with people who have no concept as to how a film is put together. They don't understand that you can't have everything and that, you know, you can't, I worked on a show, a, a television series where we spent 16 hours shooting the same scene, which was basically watching the car drive up, somebody get out and the car drive away. And like, you've got a crew here you've got you've got grips you've got camera you've got sound you've got extras you've you're wasting time and money good indie 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 film producers and directors and writers we we know waste time we go in we do what we have to do no. and we create something special you know there's just no other way to do it and i think you know with your experience as an actor you know how to talk to your guys um, you've you've done this before. You know you look. You can look at it and you can make your movie. On you can what's that saying about you know you know you can take a hundred dollar budget and make it look like a million dollar film, and and that's a testament to experience and understanding the business. Don't you think? Yeah, that uh, that's yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, my background as an actor and as a showbiz, per showbiz person at large helped me tremendously. Now, another thing uh, about the uh, the actors, uh, I started rehearsing with the actors two months before day one, so that they would really, so that they could ask all the questions that I wouldn't have time to answer on set so that they really understood everything about their characters and that they start, you know, start the work of personalizing everything. And uh, 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 that paid off tremendously, tremendously. Because the thing is, I mean, pardon me for bragging, but I know how to direct, I, that I know for sure. And, and, and so that's a skill that was very profitable uh, because of the rehearsals. You know, sometimes I work on shows and there are, there's a, there's a bit of rehearsal, 
you know, just a bit, like, I don't know, one day, half a day, okay? And we go through the whole script. And although there are some excellent directors, some, and I'm sure you had that experience of one, you, sometimes you, it happens that the director doesn't tell you anything because he doesn't know what to tell you. You know, he just doesn't know. Uh, um, and so that was very helpful. Uh, that said, for the image, I want to get back to uh, one million. Uh, I do believe that some people will think it costs half a million, but we're, we're targeting an excellent indie film uh, look, uh, uh, not a cheap look, but we don't, we're not trying to make the film look like it's one or two million dollars. It's actually the photos that you see, are, I think, are, are a good example. Yeah, you know, we want that indie feel because we would not be able to make it look like two or three or four million dollars. Uh, so that's a couple of more thoughts. But there's another thought too. You're talking the story you're talking about is is a story about people who who meet, who fall in love, or who have a relationship. It, it's it's more it's more about the story. It's more about the personalities. It's not about you know musical. There's not like it's not about the singing and dancing and the opulence of whatever's around it. Sometimes Stark is better. I mean, one of my favorite plays has always been Our Town. Our town has no scenery. It's a bunch of people sitting on a chair. But did the story get across? Did the message get across? And it sure as hell did. And 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 this is this is this is not meant to be anything more than a beautiful story. Um, if you if you dripped in in a lot right. of extras, do you think it would have it would have lost its meaning? Um, would it it well, would have lost? Do you think, yeah. Uh, if I if I'd had a bigger budget, I, uh, what was your question? I'm sorry. I'm, I was going to say I, if you if you really if you really went into that over the top like you know I can add in every special effect I can have I can put the Taj Mahal in the background would it have really added to the story? I mean, or would it would it have been more of a detraction? It would have been in the way it it would actually prevented the story from happening because. Uh, as I said, you know, there were a lot of scenes that were taking place in the park, a lot of scenes that were taking place in one character's apartment, and then a lot of scenes in the countryside, et cetera, et cetera. We, 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 uh, no, we don't, we don't try to do something that we're not. You know, we're trying to do the post-production as authentically as we can. We want to make it look beautiful. But in indie terms, uh, look, and, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, story trumps production values, usually. Look at Napoleon, uh, uh, which gets panned, and I'm sorry about that, but it does get panned across the board. And there are, I don't know, many gazillion dollars that are invested. So, yes, sometimes a bigger budget will help you make a film, but sometimes not. And the other thing about the other the other great thing about being low budget is that if you're passionate about it and if your crew and your every everybody on board you know they like the script and they and they want to further their career 
people sometimes are even more generous uh, than on a regular project. That I find, there's a spirit. Do you remember maybe you did some community theater when you were very young or at school? It's, you know, there's a, a high school or a university, whatever, college, uh, and everybody gets together, you know, and it turns out really good. That's something that you can achieve, you know, that sort of spirit. And it helps the film tremendously, I find. I think when you have people who are involved who have a stake in the project, whether it's financial or not, they, they do give a little bit more. I always found that indie films, it was fun to work on indie films when you watched people like, I worked on a movie with Gene Smart. Um, she was in Designing Women. She did all kinds of things. Gene Smart was doing working on craft services. She was serving lunch. I mean, everybody everybody participated everybody chipped in because they believed in the project and you i do agree with you you get a lot more art of your your crew you get a lot more art of your actors because they believe and and a lot of that has to do with believing in in the director believing in the writer and clearly they believed in you they believed in your vision they believed in your story and people will people will give that little bit more and it's not always about money. It's it's something it's something intangible. And I think I think what's kind of cool in the artistic community, people will people will rally to that. They 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 will rally to what's what's good. They'll rally to a great story. They'll rally to a great personality, a great director, a great writer. They will they will do things for them that they, you know, if I'm working for you know, whatever, you know, if I'm working for Scorsese, maybe, but you, the chances are you're not going to get near him. Um, the Nindy film, everybody gets an opportunity <laughs> to be close to, to the director, to, to the writer. They get to, there's, there's that weird little intangible personal element. I think that kicks in that makes it, I think it makes it special to work on an indie movie. It can make it very special. I think if you had a good script, and if you have passion as a producer, director, then all you need is a buddy that's going to be with you all the time and a start date. And the rest from that person and from yourself, the rest, you know, happens. Now, I got to say, to be honest, that I did have I, some boundaries in terms of budget. Like I needed 14 days of shooting. That was a must. Oh. And when there was question that I would have 12 or 13, you know, I said, we're going to cut somewhere else because I can make it happen with rehearsal and 14 days, but I can't make it happen with rehearsals plus 13 days. It's, it's just, I just can't do it. It's impossible. So on some stuff, uh, uh, you know, some of the things, you know, I, I was uh, very, I had boundaries. I was very strict. You have to be strict. Sometimes you have to be the parent. You know, it's like hurting cats. I When I work on my show, sometimes it's like, I feel like just saying to them, we're doing it this way because I'm the mother and I said so. Because you can get carried away. But clearly, <laughs> old, old Guys in Bed is, is more than just a film for you. It's, it's a project that's near and dear to your heart and it's screaming at you to get it out. Now, when the Indiegogo campaign, it allows you to still still collect funds to help you move this along um when do you think it will be ready for um public consumption so to speak 
at some point, uh, well, at some point in 2024, I'd say March, April, May. Wow. I think the film's going to be finished by the end of February. Uh, and uh, the premiere, I don't know where it's going to be, but the world premiere should take place in May or June. Um, that's, that's exciting. I look at your actors. Yeah, I look at these two exciting. actors. I look at these two actors and there's something in their face that's just so endearing and so just so sweet. Like you, you know, you, I don't know. I look at this particular photo. They are endearing. You know, I, I, I want to tell a story. Yeah. I mean, like you, you look at them and, and there's something happening. And I think, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. I mean, if you can evoke an emotion with just a still, imagine what you're going to be able to do with a whole moving picture, you know? Um, there's the, and I have to there's say, something. first off, they had great chemistry. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, they had terrific, terrific chemistry. Uh, one of them is is an out gay man, Duff McDonald, with dark hair. Okay. Uh, so he's out to the media, just like myself. Uh, the white-haired gentleman is heterosexual. And there are some intimacy scenes in the film. And this is the great Paul James Saunders, a terrific Canadian actor. And he was extremely cooperative. I mean, for him, you know, to do an intimacy scene with someone he has, with, with another man, you know, that's not his reality at all. His reality is the opposite. But he was, I mean, his acting, during the intimacy scenes was very sincere and 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 he uh, you know he was really cooperative now they became friends before the shoot during rehearsals and they hung out they had went for coffee etc etc they both live in toronto and uh, uh that kind of connection read on screen it did so I, I mean, it comes something. Something comes through just looking at this photo. I mean, they, you, you could believe them as a couple. You could believe them as best friends. You could believe them as a lot of different things. I, I there's something, there's something in that in that that image that just evokes a, a closeness or a tenderness. Um, I, I, I don't know. I like it. I, that's my favorite photo, and I'm going to keep playing it. And <laughs> I control the board, so I can do what I want. But but it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult when your actors don't um don't don't connect with each other because part of the story that you can write the best words in the world, but if you send it out there and you have two people who can't play it, and you've coached actors, um, sometimes you get to that that they, they just don't work. I, I'm thinking of remember the old um, Seinfeld and George Costanza gets engaged. Well, they kill off his fiance because there was no chemistry between them. People are like, whatever, it doesn't work. So they they kill her off. She really? dies of po poison envelopes or something. Um, when you're working with an indie film, you always don't have that luxury of replacing your stars. You're you you, you have to be very careful in your casting, and clearly you 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 you, I was you very hit careful the, and our casting director worked for basically nothing, you know, he charged us just about nothing, but he knew a lot of actors, obviously. And so did I, because I've been teaching acting for so many years, uh, you know, it's, it's my side hustle and I love it. 
Uh, uh, it's just part-time, but it's been there for like three years now. All this to say that, you know, with all the people that he knew, with all the, the talent that he knew, and with all the talent that I know, we were able to come up with the cast, and he did it almost for free, which is incredible. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to go back so, to what I said before, a good story, a good director, a, you're going to attract good people. Um, and the story to me is, I think it's universal. I think it's, it's a universal love story where, you know, you've got people who they want to find love. They, every, they want to feel cared for. They want, they have something to give and it doesn't always work. And you're right in the digital age, you can be ghosted, catfished, scammed. You can, there's so many things that can happen when, but, but when you have a heart that you, you want to give, I think it's just, it's, it's so hard when somebody is just toying with you. Um, and I, and I was, but honestly, I was destroyed. I mean, I, you know, when I got ghosted, I mean, I was feeling so bad. I actually worked with two different therapists after I got ghosted. I, I was working in three or four different places at the time. I was uh, on the TV series and I was uh, teaching, etc. And I was so not myself. I was so destroyed. I felt so bad uh, that I told everybody, whenever I, I, I came to a job or to a new job or to an old job, whatever, I said, look, I'm going to be able to do the job. Don't worry. Or students, I'm going to be able to teach you. No worries. But you may find me a bit different when we socialize because I got ghosted and it's a terrible, I'm going through a terrible crisis. And uh, everybody went along with that. People understood, you know. Also, because I'm not the kind of person who brings his personal life uh, uh, on set yet, but, but that was the one time that I had to do it. I had to. Sometimes you have to see this right here. Whoops, right here. This is, I met somebody mm -hmm. um, and, you know, talk about being ghosted. It didn't work out. So he put a tracker in my car and he basically really? this tracker followed me. Yeah. This tracker followed me across country. It's, it's a long story, but it was basically makes you, it makes you sit back and think and, and look at the world differently. And you, you go out there and you smile and you do what you're supposed to do for a job, but your personal life is affected and it's, it's traumatic in, in, in its own, its own way. When, but when somebody does a film, like you're talking about old guys in bed, somebody else is going to look out there and go, I'm not the only one. I'm not. And, and they can feel relieved or better or breathe. And sometimes just knowing somebody else felt those same emotions can have a tremendous impact. And I think like you said, I look at these two, I look at this picture, I see something. Um, I don't know how the story goes. I don't know how the story is going to end, but there's a story and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I really and truly am. Well, thank you. There's something and you, 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 you. Back to your you tracker. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I look, I look at these actors and 
there's something there's something there's something in those in those faces there's something in those eyes that makes you believe whatever the words are going to be and and that's that's hard and you and i are both actors you and i both know that that is not always an easy thing to achieve it's not an easy thing to get but i'm i'm excited for you i think um i think old guys in bed it's it's a cute catchy title but i i think that it's just belies the underlying meaning i'm i really i'm really liking the whole idea that two men fall in love or f don't fall in love or but they connect and things happen it's a story that's just universal you you may think you have a niche but i think you have a much broader audience that's going to crave this and they're all going to look at these two guys and i don't care if they're male or female or what they're going to look at these two men and go that's me and and i think that that's going to be a it's going to be a tremendous impact i'm i am you know and i have no reason to shine you on i am really looking forward to to seeing this finished project well thank you and i want to get back to your tracker that's your story right there that could be your next story right there you know I, you and i'm so? gonna say it's, it's, you, you you talk about you talk about you said it was like a personal thing um yeah it, it, it not affect it this didn't affect just me it affected somebody else in my life um because my partner john was extremely upset you know but it's it's something that you you just don't realize in this in this kind of world that you live in that something something can happen in the blink of an eye. And with a digital age, you you think you know somebody, but you really don't. Um, this particular one wasn't a, a, a digital setup. It was just somebody had said, oh, you'll like this guy. And five minutes in, I realized I didn't. But, but you, you have to, the problem is in the digital age, you, you surrender trust because that's your connection. In the old days, when I was a kid, I'm 65. When I was a kid, you went on a date. The guy knocked on the door, came and met your dad. You, you knew you knew them from school. You knew them from somewhere. This this online thing, even personal ads. Do you remember, like the Village Voice had personal ads, and you would you know answer this mailbox and you know, whatever. Sure. But it's it's it, with the digital age, people can hide. They can be anything and anybody they want, and somebody sadly will get hurt when people play these games and this is a, a story of today about people who are living in a world that is is the here and now it's not some made-up fantasy world and, and again a good story that's based in truth is is to me better than any any star wars fantasy um i just i just i i i well, as, as an audience member you know, I feel the same. I mean, as an audience member, I go for stories. I always go for stories. I'm not that, I'm not really interested in a big film that could very well be a game, a video game for that matter. That, I mean, I respect it, but that's not my thing as an audience and as an artist, not at all. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, well, thank you so much for all uh, those comments. Uh, they are really good actors, and they worked very hard. They did before the shoot, during the shoot, and they had fun. They had a lot of fun. So, 
and and you know what? And that's how the game, even if you're doing a sad story, you have to have fun on the set because there's something about if you're not an actor and you're not a member of an acting crew or a movie or film crew, you don't understand sometimes what it's like to be there, what it's like to work for 12, 13, 14 hours with somebody. Um, I, I remember working on one set and the, and one of the grip was because I had to wear high heels. And the grip was going to me after the 11th hour. Do you want me to carry you? I'm like, no, I'm good, but thank you anyway. <laughs> it's that kind of, it's that kind of thing that, that makes it. And when you have chemistry with your actors, you're doubly blessed. Um, old guys in bed, it, it really is more than just a film. Um, JP Bergeron will have, so much more to say and this is i'm looking forward to this the indiegogo campaign is ongoing you'll find the link for it in in the text that comes along with with this podcast and with the itunes um brief about the show um before we go is there anything that we that we missed that you that i not talk your ear off or <laughs> that we missed <laughs> I think you. I think we covered a lot, actually. I mean, I, I'm amazed at how much we covered. Yeah, I'm. That's amazed. the way. It's, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, it's, I'm amazed. It's been great, Angela. I'm. I'm telling you, oh, oh, good. Oh, cool. Oh, guys in bed, I'm telling you, I think this is going to be something more than just a niche film. This is this is a this is a movie that has an appeal to to everybody. And I don't I don't care how old you are. We've all we've all had our hearts broken. And thank you for bringing a universal story to us. Um, old guys in bed, check out the Indiegogo campaign. Check check it out. We'll we'll let you know as soon as we know when the movie will be released, and we can all support it. Um, Again, thank you so much for being part of Colliding World. And I wish you well, great thanks success. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. And it's been great knowing you better. <laughs> Ciao. I know. We, we have a digital relationship here. <laughs> but I want to say to everybody, thank you again. And <laughs> okay. I really... <laughs> I want to thank everybody in my Colliding World's world. JG Bergeron, I want to thank you. I want to also say, old guys in bed, watch for the Indiegogo. And then just go, go and see it. Let's just support independent film. Support what great writers and great directors can do. The rest of you, have a great day. And thank you so much. Colliding Worlds is sponsored in part by CAMVR, home of the only one jewelry, accessories, and repurposed clothing. You can find us on Facebook at the Unique Jewelry Designs of Angela Valenti Romeo or on Shopify or online at angelavalentiromeo.com. Please contact us before making any purchase. Our merchandise changes often, and yes, there's only one. You'll never find yourself coming and going in our designs. AMVR, home of the only one jewelry, accessories, and repurposed clothing.